Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Second Peter is where we're going to be. Tonight's the last sermon in Second Peter. Um, if any of y'all have been paying attention, uh, we actually preached through First Peter and Second Peter. So we have covered First and Second Peter. Tonight will be the last of those two. Um, the last verses, last few verses of Second Peter. And um, as is all, almost always the case with the epistles, the last few verses are often sort of a summarization of what's been going on. And you'll hear a little bit of that in here. There's, there is a, a kind of a thrust, I believe, that he's got here, but there's a bit of a summary of what he's been talking about. So Second Peter will be in chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 15. And then we'll just read to the end of the chapter. That'll be our text tonight. So what I think I'll do is just read this text for you. Hopefully, you'll, you'll, when you find your place, you can read along with me. I'll just read the text, and then we'll take a minute to ask the Lord to help us as we try to understand uh, his word. Here's what the scripture says. This is 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. I'm actually beginning in the middle of the verse uh, with that second thought there that begins with the word even. And he says, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. And that word rest there, as you're reading, that's the idea of twisting or, or wrestling with it, not rest as in go to sleep. As they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the evil of, or the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Lord, I, I need your help to, to, to preach this appropriately, to preach this with the Holy Spirit's anointing. I pray also for the people who are hearing it that, Lord, you know they need to hear from you. They need to hear your voice. And I pray that you'll allow them to do that. In spite of this vessel that you're using, help them to hear from you, hear from heaven. And Lord, help them to understand that what you've given them is really more valuable than anything in this whole world. And I pray that they will appreciate it, enjoy it, and use it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the closing of this letter, Second Peter, Peter makes a reference here, you saw it there, to beloved, the beloved brother Paul. He makes reference to Paul, and he's, write, he's mentioning Paul's writings, which if you know anything about the New Testament, you know much of the New Testament outside of the Gospels was actually you, God used Paul to write that. He, he gave him those letters to write down. So 2 Peter and 1 Peter really are one of the exceptions 
to that, that most of the New Testament is actually written by Paul. But Peter is acknowledging the fact that Paul wrote about these things. I do think it's notable to point out that in verse, I think it's verse 16, where he says that, um, it talks about that he, excuse me, I've lost the place there, in, uh, even as our beloved Paul has written according to the wisdom given unto him, written unto you, as in all of his, pos- his epistles, speaking in them of these things. That's the phrase I'm looking for, these things. He's talking about those, this phrase, these things. That's, if you remember Second Peter, Paul uses that phrase, these things, a lot. He's referring back to a bunch of things. And what are some of those things that he is referencing? He's referring to the fact that we're saved by grace. If you go to chapter 1 and verse 1, it is a gift that is given to us. He's referring to the fact that we all, uh, or rather we have all that we need for faith and for godliness in this world in chapter 1 and verse 3. So we have everything we need to please the Lord. He says in chapter 1 and verse 4 that we actually participate or partake of the divine nature. That's sort of fancy words. We may not say it that way, but you know what he's ultimately saying there is that because we actually have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, we have the righteousness of Christ that's given to us, we actually participate in that. We can live godly and righteous. We can do that if we're saved. That is actually possible for us. In fact, he says that in chapter 1 and verse 4, and in chapter 1 and verse 8, he says we can actually know Jesus. And remember on Sunday night I was talking a lot about out of Jeremiah about knowing God and that, that idea of being acquainted with him, actually uh, communing with him as a friend. That's actually possible with Jesus, chapter 1 and verse 8 of Second Peter. We also have heaven ahead of us, chapter 1 and verse 11. We know that God's word is trustworthy, chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. And we know that when we are saved by the grace of God, it should change us. Change us not that not just our destination, we have heaven as our home, but it changes us on the inside out. We're transformed. We're no longer enslaved to sin. This is chapter 2 and verse 20 where he talks about there where the false teachers try to take you back to that. But your salvation is actually, says you're, that's not you anymore. You're changed from that. He says in chapter 3 and verse 9 that God keeps his promises. In chapter 3 and verse 12, he reminds us that Jesus is coming again. That's just a quick summary of a few of the thoughts of these things that he's talking about that Paul wrote about, he says, that he, Peter, is writing about in his letter. And he says that Paul, when he wrote, and I believe by extension Peter as well, that Paul, when he wrote, if you were to go back to verse 15, he says that our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. He's saying that Paul wrote down everything he wrote down because it was given to him by God. And therefore, I believe Peter was doing the same thing. You could actually even reference back to, what is it, chapter 1 and and, uh, verse 20 and verse 21, where it says that there's no prophecy of private interpretation, but the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we know that the Scripture, rather specifically Paul and Peter's writings, that God gave that to them. It was given to them by God. So he's saying these things were given to them by God, and he says he wrote, Paul, or rather Paul wrote about all of these things. Again, I gave you that summary, and he references what Paul wrote. I want you to see this in verse 16, where he says there, as also in his apostles, speaking in them of these things, and he says that some of these things are hard to understand, so the unlearned and unstable 
rest them as they do the other scriptures. That's the emphasis I want you to see there. He talks about Paul's writings, and I think by extension his own writings, as scripture. Now you say, well, what does that mean? That means that you're reading right now, not just when you go back to the Old Testament, not just when you read the Gospels, but when you read Peter and when you read Paul, you're reading scripture that has been given to you by God. These things that we have are not things that Peter thunk up or Paul thunk up. These are things that God gave to these men. This is scripture. And that's the kind of stuff that he says there that the unlearned and the unstable will rest or twist or pervert or torture. What they will do is they will say, well, that's hard to understand. That's what he says there in that verse. He says, I don't like, and there's actually a movement right now. I don't know if y'all are aware of this, but there's a movement right now that says, we don't like what Paul has to say, specifically Paul, the writer Paul, uh, the apostle Paul. They don't like what he has to say. So we're going to throw out his writings. We like what Jesus said in the gospels, but we don't like what Paul had to say because it's hard. It feels hard. It feels ugly. It feels mean. And Peter here is saying, no, no, hang on a minute. That's what unlearned and unstable people do. Unlearned people, people who haven't been taught or just don't want to be taught. The, the information is not available to them or when it is available to them, like some of y'all when you went to school, that the teacher tried everything he or she could do to try to teach you. And you were going to sit there and say, well, I'll be here because I have to, but I ain't learning nothing. I know some of y'all were like that. I know that you were. I know a few times that I was like that. I'll be here, but don't expect me to learn anything. That's being unlearned. That's what he's talking about. It's not that the information is not available, but you choose to ignore it. That's, what they're, that's the kind of people that they have. Or they're unstable. They're unstable. It, it, that, that phrase unstable reminds me of what James talks about, that you're, when you're double-minded, you're unstable in your ways. When you are trying to follow after God or say you're following after God, but the purpose of following after God is so that you can follow your own God. And some of us do this too, right? We're using God in order to get what we really want. This is what the prosperity preachers do, by the way. They preach that God is going to give you all the blessings that you want, everything that you need. Your heart's desires will be fulfilled. And what they're doing is they're using God to get to worship the real God that they have which is money and wealth and prosperity. And, and I'm pointing to those people because it's easier to point to those people than to point to ourselves because we do the same thing. What we do is we use God, and we're unstable when we do this. We use him to be able to worship our, our God. And what these unlearned and unstable people do is they will twist Scripture, arrest Scripture, to use uh, Peter's word in, in, the, in, the, in the passage here, they rest it, they twist it so that they don't have to obey it and don't have to learn it. But he says, listen, the power of God is in the Scripture. That's what these things are. This is where the power of God, the way Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it is the power of God unto salvation. This Scripture contains, it is the words of life. This is where you're going to find life. That's why Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, that you're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. You want new life. You want to transform life. You want to be completely and totally different. No longer a slave to sin. No longer in debt to sin. No longer looking forward to eternal damnation, but instead looking to eternal glories. If that's who you want to be, 
You need the words of God in order to do that. Peter says in 1 Peter, talks about it as the incorruptible seed, that thing that is planted inside you and gives you the new life. So if God's word really does change your life, it is really that powerful. If God's word really does give you everything you need, as he talks about, gives us all things of, uh, that are necessary for life and godliness, if it really does, it really is sufficient, then that ought to mean something. Let me, let me stop here and quit my preacher voice for a second and just talk to you for a second. I need y'all to listen to what I'm saying. Because sometimes I know how it is. I'm, I've sat there too, and we preachers can get on a roll, and sometimes we're saying something, and ain't nobody listening to what we're saying because we ain't saying nothing. So let, let, me, let me say something here to you real quick, real, real, real plain. I believe that God's Word is powerful. I hope you do too. I believe that God's Word will change a person's life. Not only do I believe that, I've experienced that, and I've seen it in other people. And I think there are some of you that have done the same thing. You've experienced it, and you've also seen it and observed it in other people. If that is true, then there are some things that follow from that. If I believe that that's, I like ice cream. Anybody know that I like ice cream? And if you like ice cream, you know what you're going to do with ice cream when you get a bowl of it? You're not going to say, that's good. You know what you're going to do? You're going to dig in. You're going to get a spoonful of it and put it in your mouth. You're going to eat it. You're going to do something with it. You're going to enjoy it. You're not just going to let it sit on the shelf and say, ain't that pretty. That sure would be good if I ever got into it. No, you would get into it. That's what you do. With God's word, it's the same thing. It's powerful. It's life-changing. Therefore, there are some things that follow from that. What are those things? He talks about them in verse 17, the first one. He says, ye therefore beloved. So because of that, therefore, seeing ye know these things, because you know that the scripture is powerful, that it is alive, that it is to be listened to, that it will change your life. Because of that, beware lest ye also being led with er away with error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. If you know these things, he says, and by the way, it assumes that you know these things. And I want to emphasize that word know again, because we preached about this on Sunday night, that idea of knowing God, knowing the scripture is not simply you've got the book sitting on the shelf. Knowing the word of God is not simply, I, I've heard some preaching, by the way, and they will preach about the word of God, but they don't tell you anything about the word of God. They just say, the word of God, the word of God. Well, talk to me about what does it do for me? What is it? What does it do? And the same thing, what do you know about Scripture? Is it just a book to you? Is it just something that you bring to church with you? Or is it something you know? And he says there, I'm assuming, he says, that you know these things before. Not merely hold them to be true. Not merely understand them, but that you actually know it. And he says, if you do, you need to beware because there are going to be people who try to lead you astray, lead you in the way of wicked. They're going to be the people who are going to twist Scripture. And he says in the prior verse to that, he says, this is to their own destruction. It's a dangerous thing. But the question you need to ask yourself is, do you know the Scripture well enough that if somebody from this pulpit, from this mouth, from a Sunday school class in this church, or anywhere else, on television, on the radio, on the internet, wherever... If they were to preach it and it weren't true, do you know enough to know when it's not true? 
Now, by the way, I want to make sure I'm clear with you, and I don't think Peter's suggesting you need to have every verse and every word memorized. That's not the point. But there are certain things that are principles of Scripture that we can add to them. By that, I mean not necessarily add to Scripture, but I mean build upon those. And I might, and I hope from time to time I'm teaching you something that, oh, I had, and I've had people say that to me. I didn't see it quite like that, but I see that now. It makes sense to me. And, and I appreciate when I'm able to do that for you. But it better be adding on to, building upon what's already there. In other words, I ought not be coming to you with something out in left field. Because if, if it's out in left field, you better know it. You better know it. Why? How are you going to know it? Well, you're going to have to know Scripture. You need to study it for yourself so that when a man stands up here to preach to you, I'm not able to lead you astray. Or if I'm trying to, you can say, he's trying to lead me astray. That doesn't match up with what I know about the Scripture. That's outside of the bounds of Scripture. So, because it's a dangerous thing to rest or tempt or rather to twist or to, or to uh, torture the Scripture. He says, you need to recognize it. So my question is, do you really know the real thing well enough that you could recognize if somebody's leading you astray? Again, we're not required to know every part of it, just like I don't know everything about my wife. I mean, the best example I can give you here is I, I certainly have come, become acquainted with her over the years, and I hope I know her well enough. And I, but at the same time, I've not, there's still more to learn, right? There's, she's, she's a very complicated person. There's a whole lot more to learn. And it's actually part of, the, part of the joys of it, of a relationship, is it not? You get to know more about that person, and you get to know them. But, but I can tell you, if she comes in and what I'm learning about her is way out here, it's completely different from everything I've already known, somebody's playing a trick on me, something's not going right, I'm going to say, That's, there's a problem. Do you understand the distinction there? The same thing with the Scripture. You can know things about the Bible. You may not know everything. In fact, there are people who will spend their entire lifetime studying the Scripture and still be learning things. But there are, there are, there's a basic understanding that you as a believer ought to know so that you are acquainted with the Scripture. And he said, if, you're, if you do know that, if that is who you are, then he says, be sure you're careful, beware, because there are going to be some that try to lead you astray, that lead you, with er lead you away with error, so that you fall from your own steadfastness. The steadfastness he's talking about there is to, to, to no longer be uh, standing on the truth to no longer be standing on the truth. And what happens when you're no longer standing on the truth, you run a risk of doing one of two things, or maybe both of these things. One is you are led astray. Somebody else is leading you down the wrong path. Almost worse, in fact, I would argue it is worse, you actually then, depending on your mindset and how much you think you know, you might actually start leading other people astray. And that's a problem on its own, because then you're now in the, in the realm of, of verse 16, where you are doing so to your own destruction. So we need to be in this position where we know the truth, we understand it, and when we're hearing teaching, when we're hearing the Word of God, when people are preaching it to us, we can say, that doesn't match up, or it does match up, so that we aren't led astray we're no longer, so that we're always standing on the truth, so we're not leading other people astray by teaching false doctrine ourselves, so make sure that we're doing that. Now, that's the negative side of what it means. If, if we truly believe that the Word of God is powerful, it is life-changing, well, first of all, we need to guard against error. That's what he's talked about. That's the negative side. But on the positive side, look what he says in verse 18. He says, but grow in grace. He says, 
Make sure you watch out for the error, but also go ahead and make sure you're using it to grow in grace. Know what the bad stuff looks like and avoid it, but make sure you know that there's good stuff in there and dig into it. It's a good old big old bowl of ice cream. Don't just look at it. Don't just say it looks good. Get in on it. Enjoy it. Make sure you're taking pleasure in it. He talks about there growing in grace. Growth is about progress. I think sometimes we can get into this mindset, especially in this world that we live in today, where we think, I need to study the Scripture so I'm prepared against all the things that are coming against me. And, and there's a sense in which that's true. We talk, was it over there in, I think it's Ephesians, where he talks about putting on the whole armor of God, and you know, the devil's out to get you. And I'm not trying to undermine any of that. But the reason that you need to get into the Word of God is not to, primarily to answer the fools. Proverbs says, don't answer a fool in his folly. So we need to be careful about that anyway. But the point is, you know what I'm trying to do? I'm not trying to defend anything. I'm not trying to protect anything. Did you know that God is perfectly capable of defending himself? Do you know that God does not need me as a mouthpiece to speak out against the evil, wicked people who want to spite his name? Now, should I stand up for him? Absolutely. Should I preach the truth? Should I speak against error? Again, don't hear me the wrong way. Those are all good things, but that is not my primary purpose in digging into the Word of God. Any more than it is my primary purpose to spend time with my wife so that I can defend her honor. That is not my purpose. I will do that. I will do that, but that is not why I get to know her. It's because I actually like her. I want to know her. And the same thing here, the growth, uh, the, the, the digging into Scripture to get to know the Word of God, it's to grow. It's about progress to take this book that I'm preaching to you out of and to hold it as a sacred word from God to believe that what is written in its pages are serious, that God was serious about it, and I'm to take it seriously. I think sometimes we get, and I, I'm, I'm as bad as anybody on this, sometimes we can begin to look at the Word of God as some kind of, uh, some kind of holy book that you, know, you just need to kind of hold it up as if it's like in a, in a museum somewhere. And, and I understand we need to be, y'all don't hear me the wrong way, I'm not trying to say it's not sacred. It absolutely is, it's words from God. But I'm trying to get you to see it's actually practical words from God. It's for your life. It is for you right now. He meant you to have it. He meant you to do something with it. So he says there that you want to grow in grace. So there should be this progress constantly growing and constantly growing, specifically growing in Christ. Read the whole phrase there. It says grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm to grow in his grace, the grace of Jesus Add to me, add to him, excuse me, what he has already given to me. If you were to go back over to, well, let me, let me do this first. Over in James chapter 1 and verse 17, he talks about that all good gifts come from God. If, there, if you have anything good, anything good in your life, where does it come from? It comes from God. That's what he says in James 1.17. But if you were to go back to 2 Peter and um, look with me in chapter 1 and look with me in verse 5. And he says in the first four verses, basically, that we have been saved, that God has given us salvation. It's a gift from God, and that's a good gift from God. But he says there, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue, 
knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity if you're paying attention to those words we preached a whole sermon on that we'll pre-preach that but if you're paying attention to those words those are not stuff that you do overnight that's a lifetime of growing in grace of our lord and savior jesus christ every one of those things whether we're talking about charity, the last in the list, we're talking about temperance or godliness or virtue or anything on that list, where does it come from? The same, thing, same place any good gift comes from. God, the Father of, Father of lights, the Heavenly Father, He's the one who gives that to you. So what I want to do is I want to grow in those graces, those things He gives me. I want to grow in that. And I want to take those gracious gifts that He's given to me, and I want to build on them. I want to take more of those gifts. And that's what God does. Every day that you're alive, God gives you, it's another day that you can live for God to give you grace, for you to love Him, to grow deeper in relationship with Him, to know Him more, to live out your faith more. It's another day for that, and He's giving you a gift every day. And what we need to be doing is growing in those graces. But also, He says there in verse 18, not only grow in grace, but grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To become closer with Him. To get more acquainted with Him. My fear is, and I say this partly because of my conversations with some of you but a lot of it's because of my own knowledge of my own self and i know where i am where i stand i think my big concern for church people christian people people in our church is that we know jesus the same way we know some people we went back to high school with hadn't talked to him in a few years but i knew him back then you run into him maybe at the grocery store at a restaurant or Maybe at a, uh, what do you call it, a reunion. A reunion, you may do something like that. And they look a little different, but you remember the good old days and you can remember those stories, the football game. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you know them, but you don't really know them. There are people that you know now that you didn't even know near as long as you knew that person, but you know better. Why? Because you talk to them every day. You spend time with them. You care about them. You're invested in them. And I'm afraid there's too many Christians who know Jesus the same way they knew people they went to high school with. Yep, that's old Jim Bob. Remember when he did that thing with that girl and they went to that football game and they did, you know, that, we know those kind of stories, but we don't know them. I think we know the same way about Jesus. Yeah, he's the one who saved me. I can take you to the time and place. Hadn't talked to him lately. Hadn't read his books lately. Hadn't spent any time in his presence lately. But I know who he is. I can tell you a story or two about him because I knew him back then. And I'm not trying to suggest that you're not saved. I'm not trying to suggest you're not going to heaven. I, I'm, not, I'm not even daring to, to judge that about your own soul. That's between you and the Lord, and I believe it's by faith alone. But I believe that we need to take this seriously, that we need to grow in grace. And that's why I tried to preach what I preached on Sunday night about, out of Jeremiah about knowing God. Knowing God is... Yes, there's that point where you're introduced to him. And I want you to understand that that is a very important moment. And there's, I think every person in here would give a testimony, at least you have to me, many of you have given a testimony that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. Thank you, Lord, for that. But you're not done. He's given you 66 books of his word to talk to you so that you can, yes, avoid error, but grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants to know you. He wants you to know him. 
He wants to spend time with you. And you're only going to get there if you will, through his word and with communion with him, let him into your life. I, I, I think we just a few minutes ago, I got a little bit of a scent from y'all on this point. We believe that God's word changes lives, don't we? we? I don't believe that that changing of lives stops the minute they say, Lord, save me. I believe he continues on. And some of you are testimonies to that, that after your salvation, you might have even gone, I can tell you, I was saved as a little boy. And there was a time where I was kind of wandering and kind of floating around. And then the Lord come back and did a, additional work on me. He wasn't done with me. He's continuing even in this moment to work on me. What I'm trying to get you to see is that he's not a one and done kind of thing. This is a lifetime of communication. He wants to have this with you, but until and unless you're willing to spend some time with his word, dig in on it. I, 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 I think we get this wrong notion that spending time with God's word necessarily means it's got to be hours at a time. I don't think it has to be. I don't ever think that. And I want to dissuade you of that notion altogether. It is not about that. Now, if you want to spend hours in it, please go ahead. It's great. It's not going to hurt you. It'll do you better than that hours of television, I'll tell you that. But I will say you don't have to. Five minutes, pick up the word, look at a verse. Let it speak to you. Let that mull over out throughout the day. If we, if we treat it, can, can I just give you this word of advice? Treat it the same way you treat the relationship you have with somebody that you consider a good friend, whether it's a spouse or, or a good friend that you, that, you, that you know, somebody that's close to you, a, a, maybe it's a mother or a, a sister or a daughter or a husband, whatever, any of those people that are, they're close to you. You know what I'm talking about. What do you do with them? Again, maybe occasionally you might take off you know, a couple hours to spend together, take off for a weekend or a week at the beach or something like that. You'll do that from time to time. But most of the time, you know what you're doing? Little snatches of conversation. Just thinking about you, a little text. Just talking to each other, just little stuff. That's all you're doing. And why are you doing that? Because you kind of like them. They're kind of important to you. You want to hear from them and they want to hear from you. Treat God the same way. I think we think of God as something, well, it's not Sunday, so I don't need to do anything with God. No, treat your friends like that and see how many you have. Let me tell you, not many. You're going to want to invest in the relationship in the same way. And I could keep on going, but I'm going to stop and simply say to you, first of all, don't believe the lies of people who want to twist Scripture. Just because it's hard to understand and hard to obey, that's what he's saying. You need to understand it, and you need to obey it. But then go deeper you have the very words of God available to you. I think sometimes we lose that sight of that. These are the words of God. He's talking to you. It's not the way I talk to you and the way we talk. I understand it's a little different, but he's God. His ways are above my ways. He's God. He's, thinking, he's allowed to do it different, right? At least you better let him do it different. He's God. He can do what he wants to. But the point is, we have the very words of God, and we can go deeper into what he's done and continue what Jesus did when he died on the cross and he made, made was made sin for you he started something that the word of god will continue in your life for every day the christian who doesn't know the scripture who doesn't read it doesn't understand it who doesn't under, apply it they're ripe for temptation they're ripe for error they're ripe for doubt but the christian who does get into the word they'll find their lives to be changed i do have to say this and i'll be i promise i'm done i've got my bible closed and everything and i'll be done I know, I, I, I'm, bad. I, I don't, I'm bad to do that, and I know that. I'm just going to stop after this. I want to say to you that my life, I'm just going to give you my testimony, that my life 
if it's anything in terms of serving God, it was only made so because I actually spent time in God's Word. There was a time when I was a boy that I got saved. My daddy and mama drove me to church. I was in church, Sunday school, youth group, the whole thing. I did the whole thing. I know that. But I did like a lot of people, and maybe even some of y'all. I'm here. Ain't nothing. You ain't going to teach me nothing. I just want to get out of here. I'm ready for the next thing. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all, y'all have had that attitude before. I've, I've had that attitude before. I did. And the Lord wasn't grow. I wasn't growing in the Lord because I wasn't listening to the Word. But when I got married, had some kid, had a kid, well, a kid at the time. This was in '98. I got married, was had a child, and I had the prompt, the push, a lot of circumstances, but that pushed me to just open the Word of God and try to understand. I, I actually went through the book of 1 Corinthians. Just I don't know why, but that's what I did. I literally went from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and just went verse by verse and said, I've got to understand this. And when I did that, and truly understood some things. I'm not saying I have some special knowledge, because I don't. It's the same stuff y'all are going to get. But I'm telling you that that's what the Word of God does. It actually opened my heart, it opened my mind, it opened my relationship with the Lord in a way that nothing else could. Y'all could sit in here every day for the next year and have somebody preaching at you the most unadulterated doctrinal sermons, and it will do you no good. It will do you nothing near the good that if you'll just open up your Bible, read the thing, and let it speak to you. And I'm telling you that from my own experience, that that's where I am, if I'm anything, and I'm not suggesting I am anything, but if I am anything, it's only because I've opened the Scripture and I've read the Bible. And I want you to know that's what the Scripture does. It changes your life. You need to do that. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.